Here's a talk today with golf's turnaround specialist, John Brown. He is also a good friend, of course, and a business partner uh, in KPI Golf Management, company that we've got together. And um, today he's talking about a case study with a club that he worked with a few years back in the Hilton Head area. And it was a club, a private club, that was really struggling and uh, John talks about some really creative solutions that they deployed there and a little bit as to what went into the execution of those ideas, achieving buy-in with club membership and ownership and executing the whole thing from beginning to end. So real cool turnaround situation there for a great club and I hope you guys find it valuable. This is the Golf Essentials Podcast with Casey Borg. Uh, talk about a club that a lot of people who have visited the Hilton Head area of South Carolina have probably played. Um, it's been around since the early 80s. It um, was a private club for just about all of that time. Uh, it was a very successful private club for a long time, many years, uh, probably from 1983 right up until, um, oh, I guess uh, I was part of the acquisition team uh, with Brown Golf, uh, my former company, um, you know, probably four years ago now. And uh, at at any rate, uh, it was an interesting thing how this whole thing came down and and what the process was. So I'll talk through it a little bit. like many private clubs in in many markets, uh, uh, you know, one of uh, the middle tier uh, private clubs in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. We have some high end clubs here in in this Hilton Head market, like Long Cove and and Colleton River, that are pretty well established and 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 somewhat bulletproof to the economy changes. Um, and then there's the whole other group of private clubs that are down here of which, uh, and it's just a golf club, no other amenities, no tennis, no pool, anything else. But it, uh, over the years, was a very successful private golf club. And like a lot of these private clubs over the years, um, the attrition of a membership that's aging out, and you and I have talked about that on a number of different occasions, Casey. Sure. So the the uh, yeah the attrition factor was a big one. Uh, they started losing members. They weren't real prepared to uh, uh, you know to tackle the marketplace as it truly existed at that point in time to um, to to market to folks that might want to join a club. And and as a result of it, um, they took the road of uh, assessments. You know, so they started assessing the current members and and like a lot of these things and those kinds of situations where uh, the economy is digging in and you've got attrition of membership and now you start assessing, uh, you know, the next time around you you lose a few more and then the next time you assess you lose a few more and and suddenly the third time more or less. Yeah. And suddenly the third time you do it, you're you're pricing yourself out of the market and you're actually and you're actually uh, 
the assessment has instead of adding money to your coffers, it's you're losing money um, when you when you do it. And when they approached uh, the company, uh, my former company that I was a CEO in, and didn't ever really put the club up for sale. They approached us because we were big in the marketplace here. Then we had, uh, I think we had six clubs here in the market at that point in time. And um, they never really put the thing up for sale. They just had an exploratory committee that wanted to explore, well, if they sold it to us, you know, how would life be there in the future? Um, So we got really digging into this thing and, uh, you know, they had a price in mind and, and of course, uh, the price in mind that they had was not realistic uh, for the condition that the club was in uh, financially at that point in time. Because that's, that's uh, a real so, transient market too, right? I mean, for a private club, there's only so yeah, many bodies that, that live there full time, I would think. Well, that's right. It's a transient market. Uh, there's more and 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 interestingly enough, the the older that the that the members become the less transient they are, but that's also the time when they're starting to drop out of the clubs. So, um, you know, that becomes a a two edged sword, if you will. And, um, was a place that was in real, real trouble. So my first job with this exploratory committee was not so much even to let them know that we were interested to purchase the club, my job was to educate them in exactly how deep into the toilet bowl swirl they really were. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Okay. I mean, the, the assessment, they were, the old assessment toilet bowl swirl. <laughs> that's right. That's right. They were about to be flushed. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and, and that's, that's, those are real problems. So we, we got through to them, had a couple of really, really intelligent folks on that committee that I just totally enjoyed working with. I'm not going to mention any names here, but, but had some really, really sharp people there. And they got the picture really quickly that we're in really deep trouble. And so what I did at that point is I went to work on uh, really, really analyzing their data. And uh, Brown Golf, we, we got into the, the data analysis piece for that particular club. Uh, and, and, and I did a lot of this on my own because uh, I was in the market here. Uh, as you well know, I live in this market. So, uh, we, uh, we got into that really heavily and interestingly enough, you, you know, they had done a pretty good job as you might expect of, of monitoring all of their, uh, line items and the cut, cut, cut piece. But, as you and I've talked about a, a hundred times, Casey, you, you can't be successful just by cutting. Right. There've got to be other ways that you generate the income side so you can stabilize what you currently have and start to thrive again on the other side. So they had done a pretty good job of analysis with that. And, and that became obvious to me in, in, in our data research of, of their budget and, and of their processes related to their expenditures. What they've done an awful job of, and they didn't do really anything related to this, is analyzing the marketplace, determining 
what the cost factors in that marketplace to generate new membership needed to be and to really understand how the play numbers of rounds of golf um, that are actually, that actually occur at dolphin head uh, were generated what days of the week, what times of the week and so on. So we got into this really, really heavily and I put together a proposal to, uh, to this committee uh, that basically, you know, was a hybrid and hybrids, you know, have been, have become popular since then to some degree. But I, I think that was one of the really, really first true hybrids that is out there. And when I say hybrid, what I mean by that is through the data, I was able to determine that uh, 90 plus percent of their rounds, and, and I think it was 94 or something, I don't have the data right in front of me right now, but about 94% of their rounds of golf at that club all occurred on either a Tuesday, a Thursday, or a Saturday. Mm. Now, it's interesting when I say that because every single private club that's out there, and I don't care where it is, they all have their own foot, they all have their own play footprint. And their play footprint is unique to that club. And not very many people realize that, and certainly not very many people research it. Gotcha. Well, we re I researched, found that out, and what we did is we created a proposal to this committee that, listen, I'm going to buy your club at this price because this is what it's worth. It isn't worth any more than that. And I, and I, you know, I laid all that out for them, got them understanding the numbers, got them understanding, um, to, you know, uh, set them up with some other people that were buying and selling golf courses or that were selling golf courses at the time. And, and had them really understand the numbers that I was throwing back at them that, that we were willing to pay for that facility were fair. The key thing here is that they didn't want to lose any of, you know, what they had in this small little membership group. So we really created a hybrid that, that took care of that. And the hybrid was simple. We created a private club on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. That took care of, as I said, 90, mid 90% plus of their rounds of golf. And we set up a semi-private club on the other four days of the week. So the members could play. They just have to get a tee time. But the, those tee times were also open to the public. It was a beautiful marriage. And it's working beautifully to this day. Thriving. An absolute great operation there. And, 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 and doing a really nice job of throwing off a very positive ROI. And it's, uh, it's all because we really got into the detail to figure out how do we keep this membership base happy. Mm -hmm. We then case we're, we're fortunate enough to go back in and revisit with all of the members that had dropped out of the club over the last few years. And we'd gotten, we were, were able once we, we, they understood what we were going to do, how we were going to operate the new club, we got 150 of them back into the club. Wow. And that gave our membership base really, really solid base, a nice cash flow piece from the membership thing. And, and the semi-private operation 
also provided green fee revenue. And the overall total revenue at this facility went way, way up uh, right off the bat. Operations were great. This is a very happy membership that, that has what they want. They still have their private club. We still have member guests. We still do, you know, club championships. We still do member member tournaments. All the things that are part of a private club experience, we're doing them on those days when everybody would show up, and it's still awesome. the same thing. Everybody still awesome. plays on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Um, we have some member play on the other days, but it's not that much. But right. when we do have member play on the other days, they're intermixed with the, the green fee play. But but we've got a little. We always kind of keep a little block that's available, just as kind of membership block, just in case. Right. And uh, and and quite frankly, we've we've given them what they need and what they want. And this hybrid, which is as I said, I think it's one of the first of its kind, uh, truly in that mar- uh, in in that manner, has been tremendously successful. Awesome. Well, wow, it makes yeah, a ton of sense. Really. Is that a standard? I mean, in, in your um, in your travels, I mean, it seems like mid ninety percent of the of the play taking place on on three days seems really heavy. You know, um, that means the other four yeah. days are pretty darn lean. Is that is that yeah. a, a normal dispersion, or uh, ha, have have you done analyses yeah. on, on enough clubs? Yeah, to, you know. I've done a, I've done a, I've done a number of them since, um, and and it's it's really really interesting. As I said earlier, every single club that's out there, every every private club, has got its own play window, and they are specific to that club. But what I discovered it is more the norm than not the norm, and hmm. uh, and oh. and quite frankly, you might add a day to it. It might be a four day thing down in a you know, in a resort area where it's year round golf or something, but you know, again, in the Northeast where where private clubs where guys are still working, you know, that, 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 that window becomes Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of thing. Right. Um, You know, but it's, it's much more the norm than not the norm. And this particular type of hybrid with the right kind of research could be done in a lot of places. It really could. Yeah. Um, We were fortunate to buy, at a really good price because that's all it was worth at that point in time. Um, and it's, it's a high value facility now. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a facility that's throwing off a, a really lovely ROI. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and quite frankly, it's got a really happy group of members there. Um, now we did some things from a, from a personnel perspective that are really, really important too. And they're going to seem um, minuscule to, to certain people, but were really important to me because the, the people part of golf is still there. It's always going to be there. And you've got to staff your facility in the right manner to deal with that. So I put a great golf professional, but I put an old school golf professional in there a guy who really, really takes care of the membership, you know, is very close to the membership, knows everybody inside and out by name mm-hmm. and is, is just, just old school related to, to tournament ops and all the things related to private club operations. They love this guy. They absolutely love this guy. The worst thing I could have done in there is if I put 
you know, a very young golf professional in there who was just, you know, all teched out with uh, just the technology part of golf ops and really didn't understand the people part of it. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't um, be able to identify with the, the, the members that were there that were seeing this big shift in their club, right? The, the, the yeah. professional who yeah. could identify with those people could definitely smooth that transition, I would think. It was, it was, you know, I think that the hybrid piece of this thing was brilliant, but I think the staffing piece was maybe even more brilliant because, you know, we put the right people in there, uh, and, and, and you, you know, just like there's horses for courses on the PGA yep. tour, there's horses for courses and course management too. And there aren't enough companies out there that recognize that and still understand the value of the people experience and the value of what an old school golf pro in certain situations can, and, and director golf general manager type can bring to your facility. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, 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 and Dolphin Head is a prime example of that. Well, think, things like this, we talk about stuff like this, and, you know, in, in principle, it makes a ton of sense. It seems very simple and, and obvious in hindsight, but the, the devil's in the details with the execution of these things. Golf courses are, they are social animals, they are intricate, and, um, you know, I give you credit for, you know, not, not yeah. only coming yeah, up with the ideas, but, but the execution of, of pulling that off over the course of a year or so's time um, and having it come out the other side, a win is, doesn't happen by mistake. Yeah, no, it was a thing of beauty. It, 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 that really was. And, uh, you know, I don't want that to sound on the arrogant side because I don't mean it that way, <laughs> but, yeah. but it, it, it really, it really, really was and is, uh, um, you know, a wonderful operating club. We put the right people in there. Uh, now, on the other side of that, uh, you know, I told you about the director of golf. Well, I put a very young, hungry superintendent in there, very tech-oriented, very oriented to, um, you know, all of the latest procedures related to agronomic practice. Mm -hmm. And this young guy has just blown it out of the water. The golf course is in as good a shape and, 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 and I'll say equal to the best that's down here in Hilton head um, in the Hilton head market, the course conditioning there is superb. Um, so again, horses for courses. I knew this young guy was ready and, uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, we actually, stole them from a place and you know that's part of business sometimes too yeah, yeah. you know a better deal so, you know yeah yeah that's the, that's the way it works sometimes and uh uh but quite frankly i'm uh you know it's really uh, I, you brought it up earlier this seems like a simple thing but the detail is you know the the devil is in the detail and and quite frankly you got to get the detail right or you're going to see the devil and that's not cool so uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we 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 really we really did a pretty good job of that and uh but could this be done again? It can be done in almost any single marketplace. You just got to understand exactly what it is you got to do. Yeah, you got to dig up the the data and uh yeah. you got to learn about your own club and the 
and the tendencies and the play patterns and your market that you're in. And then you can make these informed decisions. Um, otherwise, well, you, don't, you don't get the buy-in from this membership if you don't have this. That's data. right. It, that, that's they right. Just, they just it, tell no, you no we wouldn't, every day, every day of the week. Yeah, because yeah, they had no idea. They wouldn't, they, they, we wouldn't have had any buy-in from them. In fact, right. we couldn't have bought the club. I mean, I had to convince the committee first through the process and through the proposal that I made to them uh, because they were going to go to somebody else next and have them make a proposal. Well, they never got to the second guy. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we really, really, are, are, you know, our, my piece of this thing really dug into this and, and, and got us in front of the, you know, front and center with this committee where they, they made the right choice of calling us first and they never called anybody else. And we went on and made the deal and bought the club and, and, you know, it's been happily ever after since, uh, with, with that particular situation, they, they just, uh, they, they had no marketing program. They didn't, they weren't in the game anymore. They weren't in the game anymore from a marketing perspective to gain membership. They were only losing members. Yeah. And there's so many clubs. I'll bet there's, I'll bet there's five or six clubs in every single market out there that is, that are, is exactly in the same position today that was yep. in, you know, four years ago. Yep. Um, I mean, I'd be happy to, to talk to any one of those out there because that hybrid could save your bacon, quite frankly. <laughs> you know, the thing these clubs forget is every single year that goes by, we get one more year closer to when the next downturn's going to happen. And your membership base gets one more year older. Yep. And, and, and if you aren't dealing with those two things uh, on a consistent basis so you can create some real, real consistency through your operation related to that so, so you can tie into the factors, um, they're going to they're gonna bite you at some point. 100%. Thanks, John. Hey, if you like my stuff, guys, be sure to subscribe, share it with your buddies, and shoot me any questions you have. I'll be sure to do my best to tackle it in my next episode. Thanks, guys.